What is my destiny? This question causes us to grapple with the decisions we make, the careers we choose, the hobbies we settle on, and the mindsets that we allow to be front and center in our lives. It's a question that either causes extreme discontentment or sublime joy. And it's the question that informs Pastor Jeff's sermon today entitled Touch the Icon. If you've ever felt like you're on the wrong path, it may not even be for the reasons you think. And Pastor Jeff will be encouraging you on how you can live out your destiny today. Enjoy this sermon by Pastor Jeffrey Smith on the City of Life Church podcast. Uh, Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. That is our text for today. Romans 8, 28, and 29. I mean, in all honesty, this is probably back-to-back the most loaded couple of scriptures in the entire Bible. Just power, just packed with incredible information. Almost every word of these scriptures, you could break down that individual word and do a whole message just on that individual word. That's how powerful it is. So I'm going to do my best to take this packed Uh, scripture and unpack some of it today uh, to give you as much hope as possible for your life. Before I start, I want to tell you something. I have been in tough situations in my life. I have been in broken moments where I feel like I've lost hope. Don't give up today if you're here today and you're going through a tough time. You got a God that loves you so much. You got a God that is on your side. Uh, He hears your heart. He knows where you are. If you're sitting out there today wondering, does God Does anyone care about me? Does anyone see what I'm going through? He knows exactly. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. Uh, I have less than I used to. So I'm making his job a lot easier as my life uh, goes further. But but the fact of the matter, if he knows when when a sparrow falls from the sky and he knows the number of hairs on your head, he certainly knows your heart and he knows what you're going through. So don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged today. And sometimes people like to give up right before the finish line. Uh, my dad has got an incredible story, and he's even writing a book about it uh, that is just phenomenal. But it's a story about his mom. She was running uh, in the state championship in track and field uh, back in the day, and she c- came from the country where they didn't even really know the rules of, of track and field. They, they competed against each other, but on their own kind of makeshift uh, track. And she got to the finals and was super fast and ran and beat everyone in the state finals. And when she got to the ribbon, she stopped and touched it. She did not break the ribbon because nobody told her that you had to break the ribbon and someone came in behind her after she had already fully stopped and broke the ribbon and won. Isn't that a sad story? She just didn't know the rules, so we know that she really won. But the truth is, hey, keep running until you get past that finish line. Don't stop at the finish line right before, the, right before everything gets good. Keep pushing until you're done. You break through that ribbon. Don't you quit. Don't you give up today. I told you God is on your side. He loves you. He cares about you. Believe that before we even get started today. Amen. So Romans 8, 28, 29 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Wave your hand in the air if you love him today. Come on. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I'm going to talk to you today, part eight 
in our Jesus First, Jesus Always series, following the pattern of my book. We're going through each chapter of my book. I'm teaching a message on it. If you don't have the book, I'd love for you to get the book. We have them available today. You can buy them on Amazon. They're in Kindle form. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm really excited. This week was the release on Amazon officially of our Jesus First, Jesus Always study guide. So for people that want to do personal devotions or lead small groups, the study guide is available to everyone. And we also released our video curriculum uh, on Vimeo for people that want to go through uh, the whole teaching you know, in, in video form. So it, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to be talking today, part eight. It's called Touch the Icon. Touch the Icon. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just make our hearts come alive. We believe that the Word of God is so powerful, enough power to change us. One simple word can change our life forever. Lord, make these words come alive. Make every heart enthusiastic toward the things of the kingdom. And let us uh, change in your presence. Every time in your, we're in your presence, let us leave different than we came in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Who remembers your very first car? Wave at me if you remember your very first car. What was your very first car? Somebody throw it out here to me. 49 Chevrolet. Hold on. I, that's, that's impressive. What's that? An 81 Regal Buick. I love it. I, 66 Chevrolet. Oh, 56 Chevrolet convertible. Dad, uh-oh, you turned my dad's head around right there, buddy. Okay, somebody, somebody over here, help me out. What you got? Kaylee, what you got? What's your first car? Honda Civic. That's not bad. That's a cute little car. Somebody else, help me out. What you got over here? What you got, Will? What's your first car? A Nissan Sentra? Okay. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. You know, my very first car was a 1984 Thunderbird. My Thunderbird was dope. My dad put black rims on that thing, and he paid for a sound system that had, like, bass in it. So, like, like he had that thing hooked up. It had, like, a little, I, I can't remember even the woofer size. It was, like, it was big, but, like, it had that boom. And then it also it would go. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the mic. And I glow to the extreme. Now I ain't going to rap in church, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I wish that's what I was listening to. That's not really what I was listening to, though, Jimmy. You know what I was listening to? I was listening to sailing takes me away to where I've always heard it to be. Just a dream the wind will carry me, and soon I will be free. You know, that old jam, remember that jam right there? That, that doesn't give you a lot of street credit. Listen to Sailing by Christopher Cross. When you got bass in your car, you're listening to Sailing. But that car, I, I love that car. It had some great qualities. But one of the things about that car that was a little weird is I got to a point where it was, it was used when I got it. But if I went 34 miles an hour to 36 miles per hour, so 34, 35, 36 my car would drive great at any other speed, but when I would get to that speed, all of a sudden my steering wheel would start to shake like this. It, it, it was weird. Anywhere in between those miles per hour, the rest, it was perfect. It was just literally perfect. So I came home one day. I said, Dad, 
I said, my car, you, I love that car you bought me. It's got the sound system. It's got the rim. Sailing sounds so good in this car. But there's a problem. You have to buy me a new car now because anytime I go 34 to 36, my steering wheel shakes and it's dangerous. And you gotta buy. He said, son, you don't need a new car. You don't need me to buy you a car. What you need is to get your alignment fixed. So he put my car in the shop. They fixed the alignment, and it fixed my car. And I believe that many of us in life, when we experience difficulties and problems and when things are not working out right, the first thing we try to do is we want a new life. We don't want to fix what's wrong in our life. We actually want to trade in our life for somebody else's life. And we think finding a new husband or finding a new wife or finding a new church or finding a new city or finding a new job is going to fix. Can I tell you something? The problem about moving to a different city is you're still going to be there. And you're going to take your problems with you. I met some dude the other day I hadn't seen in a long time. I said, how are you doing? He said, good, soon. I said, why? He said, I'm moving to Oregon. I said, really? You got friends in Oregon? No. You got family? No. You got a job? No. What's in Oregon? It's pretty. <laughs> I mean, somehow he just thinks that he's going to drive across the state line and everything's going to magically start working in his life. The problem, homie, is you're going to be in Oregon when you go to Oregon. You're taking everything that has been wrong here and you're going to take it with you. You might have a different kind of view. It's going to rain a lot. You're going to have to say, I said, are you into outdoors? No. And, and that's the problem is we just want to trade our life for a different life. God has given you your life for a reason. And there are ways that we can learn to cope sometimes with the difficulties of life. And instead of getting it fixed and going 35, which is actually the speed limit, and we want to go 35, we want to go 34, we want to go 36, but we have adjusted our life and said, well, you know what, I just, I just won't go those speeds. I'll just work around the difficulties of my life. Instead of getting my alignment fixed, I'll just work around. So we have created workarounds in our life. Instead of getting the solution to our problems, we've learned how to create workarounds. My encouragement to you today is I believe that there is a way to live the life you were meant to live the way you were meant to live it. You will never unleash the potential of something until you realize its purpose. You will never realize the potential of something until you realize its purpose. You were created for a high purpose in Christ Jesus. You will never realize the potential for your life until you discover and realize the purpose for your life. That's what today's message about. It's about uncovering the purpose, your destiny for your life. I want you to walk out of this building understanding your destiny, being able to articulate your destiny. I think there's probably not a more misunderstood concept than destiny in Christianity because I believe it's taught many times incorrectly. Because a lot of people think destiny is tied into your vocation and your job. But I, I believe that scripture teaches us something far different than that. Uh, and today we're going to talk about this idea of destiny. And, and I think one of the ways I want to do that is I want to tell you a question that a lot of people ask me as a pastor. Uh, as a pastor, when I meet people, uh, one of the first questions they'll ask me or, or email me or, or if they get a chance to talk to me is, how do I know the will of God for my life? Uh, raise your hand if you've ever wondered that question. How do I know the will of God for my life? I think that's a question that all of us have wondered, uh, all of us deal with on a regular basis. How do I know the will of God for my life? Well, in order to break that down, I want to give you two theological terms really quickly. Uh, don't, 
get lost just because maybe these are words you don't use on a regular basis, but I'm going to explain them, and I think you're going to get it really good. Uh, the first one is called the decretive will of God. Two different types of the will of God that you can know that you're in. One is the decretive will of God. So the decretive will of God, somebody say, I'm, I'm the king. Say that. Say, I'm the king. Can I want you to repeat after me? Say, and I declare. Say, I decree. Football. Every night at 7 p.m. Anyone else agree that that's probably a pretty good idea? I think that's great. If I were the king, that's what I would decree. I would decree that football every night is, but I'm not the king, so I can't decree that. Okay, but that's what a king does, is a king makes decrees. And when you make a decree, it just simply happens. It's decretive. Okay, so the decretive will of God means that God is the sovereign king. He decrees something, and it happens. When he said, let there be light, did he take a poll on whether or not people thought that he should allow light to happen? I don't remember him going, Jeff, I'm thinking about doing this light thing. Raise your hand if you approve. Jeff likes it. Let's do it. Let there be light. It, do, it doesn't work like that. He does it. Why? Because he's the king. He decrees it. That is the decretive will of God. That means the works of God. Okay? There's something else called the preceptive will, which has to do with the ways of God. The decretive will, the works of God, he says it and it happens. The preceptive will are the ways of God. That's based on the word precept. Not perceptive like, oh, hey, you notice I got my hair cut. You're very perceptive. No, no, not perceptive, preceptive. Precept means based on principles. Precepts are the principles of something. So the preceptive will of God means that there are ways that he has designed, a will that he has designed for you to walk in that are based on his word. The Bible are the precepts of God. They're the principles of God. So the preceptive will, while the works of God, the decretive will, has nothing to do with your cooperation whatsoever. You don't have to agree with them. It has to do with his sovereignty. The preceptive will of God for your life has everything to do with your cooperation with God. You choose whether to, to honor your father and mother. You choose whether to steal or not to steal. You choose whether to look with lust upon someone else. The Bible says if you look with lust upon someone else, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. You choose whether to sleep with someone that's not your husband or not your wife. And you choose if you're dating someone and you sleep with them, you say, oh, we're going to get married someday. You choose to simply disobey what the Bible says and step outside of the preceptive will of God because the precepts of God have everything to do with the Bible and it takes cooperation with God to live inside the preceptive will of God. We have the ability to go against the preceptive will of God, to step outside of it. We don't have the right, but we have the ability. God has never given us the right to go outside of his precepts, but we do it all the time. So here is the way I want to explain the will of God to you. You've got the works of God, they're decretive, he does them himself, then you've got the ways of God. What I want to encourage you to do is to live a biblical life. Live in the precepts of God. Obey God in every possible way you know how. Obey God with the way you treat people. Obey God with the way you speak with people. Obey God when people lie about you and you want to just crush them and you you want to just respond back and you want to be rude to people that are rude to you uh, obey God when you're tempted to, to not be generous and to keep things for yourself and you know that you should give away and give and give and be generous obey him be generous be faithful obey stay in the preceptive will of God and here's how I'll explain 
what being in the ways of God does for your life. I had a girlfriend so many years before I met Amy. I met Amy in 95. This was 1991. I think an Amber Alert is going off for someone over there. Be careful with that. Uh, in, in 1995, I met Amy. In 91, I had this girlfriend before I met Amy, and she was from the Deep South. And uh, she was here from... Uh, a work program, like to, to work at Disney World or something like that. And I remember we were at lunch one day, and, and she said, I heard that they are building a Disney World in France. And I said, yes, I actually read that same thing. That's really cool. I heard that they're going to build it in Paris. And she goes, no. I heard that they are building it, and they are building it in France. I said, yeah, I know that. I said, but specifically, what I read is that they are building it in Paris. She said, Jeff Smith, I'm not going to let you make me look dumb in front of all these people. I know what I heard. They are building it in France. I am so thankful for my wife, Amy. <laughs> What I wanted to say is that Paris <laughs> it's in France. Paris is in France. But I didn't say that. I just said okay. Paris, if you're in Paris, you are in France. <laughs> See, and what I want you to know today is we get so caught up in the will of God. Am I in the will of God? Stop worrying about the will of God and start thinking about the ways of God because if you're in the ways of God, you're in the will of God. When you're in the ways of God, you're in the will of God. Stop worrying. What's so dope about living in the ways of God is you don't have to ask yourself all these questions like, oh, why isn't my house nicer? Why don't I make more money? Why don't I have more YouTube followers? Why don't I? None of that stuff matters when you're in the ways of God because it doesn't matter what your life actually looks like externally when you're in the ways of God because you can go to bed at night you can put your head down on that pillow and you can say, you know what? Everything's all right because I'm in the will of God. I've lived my life today in the will of God. I love it. I love it. That's so amazing that, that living in the ways of God leave you, lead you to the will of God. That's why living a biblical life, sometimes we feel very overlooked. Like, like, man, nobody sees me. I'm doing these little things here and there. No one sees Oh, God sees it. God sees it. It builds up. Your faithfulness builds up. And what you do is you turn around and you find you're smack dab in the middle of a place that's called the will of God. You want to unleash your potential? You want to live the life you're meant to live? Then live in the ways of God. And you live in the ways of God by having a life that looks like Jesus. Okay? So... John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, the precepts of God, if you continue in my word, just obey me, then are you my disciples indeed, 
So you'll know you're a disciple if you continue living this biblical life. Then you're my disciples indeed. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's not just people say, oh, the truth sets you free. That's not really what it says. It says, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Then you'll know the truth. Then what? Then the truth will make you free. If you live in the precepts of God, live in the ways of God, then you'll live a free life. You'll live in the will of God. I love it. It's not that complicated. Basically, being like Jesus, looking like Jesus, ensures that you're going to be in the will of God. What does that mean? Oh, Pastor Jeff, pray for me. I can't figure out whether to get the black car or the red car. Pray that God gives me the revelation. God is like, I don't care what color your car is. He's like, really? Honestly, will you please just pick one? So he's just pick a car. It's like, I, I can't tell whether it be a, a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor, but I want to be a filmmaker too. What's, what's my calling? It's really, honestly, just get in the ways of God. Get in the ways of God. He gives you more leverage than you can imagine to choose what he has put in your heart to do when you're in his ways. Worry about being in his ways. Then you don't have to worry about the will so much. Stop worrying about plan A, plan B. Plan A for your life is to be in the ways of God. That's plan A. That is plan A. If you're in the ways of God, you're going to be in the will of God. Stay, look at someone next to you and say, get in the way of God. Romans chapter 8, as I close this down. Oh, Father, bless the cowboys tonight. I, for, I just realized I forgot to pray for them. Did you know every time I've prayed for them this year, they've lost? If they lose tonight and I prayed for them, I may quit pay, praying for them in church. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called. Let me stop right there for a second. Can I tell you something today? You've been called. You have been called. That word called is the Greek word kletos, which means you have been sent an invitation. You walked out to your mailbox. Anybody ever walk out to the mailbox just because you kind of want to feel important? Like, like I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking about the bill collectors and stuff like that. I mean, like, do you remember, anyone remember the answering machine days? Wave your, wave your hand at me if you remember answering machines. I remember when I would come home and my answering machine would be flashing, I'd be like, that's what's up. Important, you know. I, I also remember, like, there were seasons, like, when I moved out to Dallas where no one called me. And I was just, like, alone. I'm, like, 19 years old living in Dallas. I, like, check to make sure if my answering machine is broken. It's like, no, it's working. Just no one likes you. That's the problem. <laughs> Like, it's a terrible feeling when you don't even get that kind of information. But, like, when you get an invitation to something really cool, it just makes you feel good. I don't know why. You have been called, the Greek word kletos means invitation. You have been invited by God. You walked out to your mailbox and you saw an invitation with gold embossing on the outside that had your name on it. It said you have been invited to a life that you can't imagine. You have been called. Do you know the word kletos also means appointed? It means that God, who happens to be the king, has made an appointment. He has created a whole entire ceremony where he sat you down and said, Gio, I am appointing you. I am giving you authority. I am giving you a measure of authority. You have been called and appointed, invited into a brand new life. Look at someone next to you and say, stop feeling so bad about yourself. You've been called. You've been called. According to his purpose. That's what this scripture says. 
called. You've been invited. You've been appointed according to his purpose. That word purpose right there is prothesis. If you write a thesis for college, that means that you're writing an idea that you have to prove. That's what a thesis is. And it means, in prothesis means a thesis, pro means pre or before. It means you've been called according to his prothesis about you. That means God wrote a dissertation about you before you ever lived a single day. And he wanted you to prove it by living in his ways. By living in his will. He said, prove my dissertation is true. Prove my thesis is true by living in my ways. Get in collaboration with me. See what life looks like when you accept my invitation. See what life looks like when you recognize my appointment. See what life looks like when you open that invitation and say, yes, I'm going to live in your ways. I'm going to live in your will. I'm going I'm to live that life you have called me to. Then he goes on to say, for those God foreknew. Foreknew, what does it mean? It means to know in advance. He also predestined. That is the Greek word proorizo, which means destiny to determine beforehand. This is why I feel like the, the, the phrase destiny is so mistaught. Because this is one of only four places in all of scripture where the word destiny is used in the New Testament. Predestiny, proorizo, means destiny in advance to determine in advance, it means that those that God foreknew, he destined, and here is what it says that your destiny is. Do you want to know your destiny? Look at someone next to you say, I can't wait for what he's about to say. I'm just going to create anticipation. I don't care if it's here or not. We'll just create it. He predest here's your destiny. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, I hope you're, you're not going, really? That's my destiny? I thought my destiny was to marry, you know, this person. To marry no, no, no. No, that's not your destiny. This is your destiny. Your destiny is to be conformed. That is the Greek word somorphos, to morph. You know what that's like? Anybody remember before there were ice makers? How you had to fill up an ice tray with water and walk across the kitchen like this to the because you know you're going to spill it you walk up you, you get go oh i got you now baby i got you i just spill one drop shut that thing you're going to be ready in about an hour you remember that what does the ice look like when it's frozen what does it look like it looks like the tray that you poured it in why it was somorphosed it was morphed into the image of the tray it, it reminds me of something else, and boy, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. You know why? They be serving cranberry sauce. Anybody like cranberry? Cranberry sauce? Come on. You know, you like, you know what you like about it? You take that can, you take out the top of it, you turn it upside down, it goes. <laughs> and when it comes out, it's this beautiful, this beautiful thing that looks exactly like the can. It's got them little rings around the top of it. You cut it up, you make it look all decorative. I like that you created them rings. What do the rings look like? The can. Why? Because the cranberry sauce is conformed to the mold of the can. Your destiny, are you following me here today? Is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It means Jesus is the mold. You pour your life into who Jesus is. That is your destiny. Plain and simple. It don't matter if you're a record producer. It don't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer. None of that stuff is your destiny. Go do that for God. 
You choose what you want to do, but do it while looking like Jesus. Do it while having those little ridges around you like that cranberry. Look at someone next to you and say, I knew you were sweet because you look like cranberry sauce. You got the ridges and everything. You look like that cranberry sauce. That's your destiny is to look like cranberry sauce because Jesus is the can. And, you, and you're supposed to pour your life into Jesus so whatever his mold is, kindness when people see kindness they say oh that looks like the cranberry sauce from the can when people see love when they see compassion when they see self-control when they see generosity in your life what they're saying is they look like the can they look like the ice tray they look like Jesus be whatever you want to be that ain't got nothing to do with your destiny go do whatever job you want to do Whatever God has put in your heart, follow it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Stop thinking that your destiny is to be a pastor. This is not my destiny. This is something I do. God has called me to do this. I'm honored. It is an honor. But my destiny is not to stand up on this stage. My destiny is to look like Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. I'm simply doing, I'm operating within a calling right now, and I'm appreciative. I'm thankful. But it's not, when I stand before God, he's not gonna say, what's up, Pastor Jeff? He's not gonna say, Pastor Jeff. He's gonna say, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. You looked like Jesus every single day of your life. When you were in that church or not, you looked like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be the kind of church that we only have Christian friends. I wanna be the kind of church that we're out there meeting people that know nothing about God, zero about God. I've got some friends that are not Christians at all, and when I'm around them, sometimes I just find it funny because I have never one time in any of those relationships ever told them, don't say this, don't say that. But sometimes they'll be talking and they'll say something, they'll go, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. And you know what? What's amazing about that is the only reason they do that, I've never told any of those people one time, don't do this, don't do that, is why are they doing that? Because they are seeing someone that looks like Jesus. It's not me, it's that I look like Jesus. And if I look like Jesus, they get convicted of the presence of Jesus. It's not me, it's Jesus. Look like Jesus. How did Jesus look? How did he act? What were his precepts? What did he do? That's your destiny. Stop tripping over whether you're in the will of God or not because you went to, you know, Florida instead of Florida State. You're like, oh, if I just would have gone to the right college. For, can, can, you, can you just stop for a second? That's not destiny. We're not talking about destiny there. We're talking about vocations and decisions and things like that. It's a different conversation. Destiny looks like Jesus. Destiny looks like Jesus. That's what it is all about. If you don't look like Jesus, then you're not living in the will of God. If you don't look like Jesus, you're not living in destiny. Figure out a way to look like Jesus. It's, it's pretty simple. That's why it says, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed, in, as, as I close here, to the image of his son. And the reason I want to close with that is because my message is called Touch the Icon. Your destiny is to be morphed into that ice tray to the image of Jesus. Did you know that the, the word for image, the Greek word, for image, do you know what it is? Icon. Your destiny is to be conformed to the icon 
of Jesus. That's what the word image is. Looking like Jesus. So you are supposed to become an icon of Jesus. Did you know that when I wrote my book, God gave me this revelation about that we become the icon of Jesus. And when we become the icon of Jesus, people are able to access heaven through us. They're able to access Jesus through us because we become, we look like Jesus. And when they touch us, they're able to touch heaven. So I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I wish I could find some kind of proof for the iPhone. Like if, if maybe if Steve Jobs and like the initial iPhone presentation, if he said something about an icon and opening up an app or something with an icon, that would be the dopest thing in the world. So I didn't have a research team or anything. I just watched, I read transcripts of the initial Macworld presentation. I went through the whole first thing. Did you know what I found? I put it in my book, as a matter of fact. At the beginning of the chapter, because sometimes I'll go on these crazy quests and try to find something like, ah, it doesn't exist. Dang it, I can't preach that. Oh no, I found it. There is a spot in the initial iPhone presentation where Steve Jobs has the iPhone. It's revolutionary. He says, and you know what? To open an application, do you know what I have to do to access the application? All I have to do is touch the icon. Everyone look at your phones for a second. Get out your phones real quick. Do me a favor. Open any app. Open any app. I don't care what it is. Open Instagram, Facebook, the City of Life, text to give app. I don't care what it is. Open anything. Touch it real quick. Open it up. Did you open it? How did you open it? You touched the icon. That's what people do when they come in contact with you. You are the icon of Jesus. Your destiny is to be conformed into the image, the icon of Jesus. What does it mean? What does it mean? You are the icon. You are the icon. You are the icon of Jesus. So what does this mean? I, I wanna break it down for you so you know what I'm talking about. Tell me your name, Jose. That means Jose, there's people in your life that don't know Jesus, but they know you, Jose. So it literally means that when they're around you, and they see your compassion, they see your love, they see your forgiveness, they see they've said things about you that are not true and that you, that you don't retaliate against it, but you take it kindly, you take it with humility. When you're promoted, you don't take it and take credit for it yourself, you give the glory to God. When they see all those things, they go, what? I don't know Jesus, but I know Jose. And when I touch Jose, I'm touching the icon. Now I'm touching Jesus because I've touched Jose. What's your name, man? This is Chris. Chris, there are people in your world that I can't meet. I don't know them. I'll never have the access to know them. Imagine the people in your world that they, they just found out that you came to church. They're like, yo, Chris came to church. Man, we used to be in a club back in the day, but Chris is in church here today. It's amazing. And, and Chris, and, and now Chris, I've seen some things change about Chris. I used to know him the way he acted at one time. And he used to be a completely different guy, but now I'm seeing like he's committed, he's got faithfulness in his life and, and he's kind now and he used to kind of fly off the handle, but I can see this peace in his life. And, and, and you know what? I don't know Jesus, but I know Chris. And when I touch Chris, I just touch the icon of Jesus. Now I know Jesus because I know Chris. It's crazy. It is crazy. This is your destiny. This is what destiny looks like. Think about the hope that that brings to people in your life when you wake up every single day, not thinking to yourself, if I could just get that job, that would be my destiny. 
You're living in your destiny today. If you are the icon of Jesus, what's your name, sweetheart? <laughs> that can't be true. Did you just lie in church? Her name is Destiny. Her name is Destiny. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You got a calling on your life, Destiny. That's more than just a name. That's more than just a name. And there's people in your world that are broken. There's people in your world that are hurting. There's people in your world that have no hope. And they'll never get a chance to meet Jesus. But you know what? They can touch the icon. I know destiny. So when I know destiny, I've just touched the icon. Now I know Jesus. See, that I can't. I'm just going to quit right there. You know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to go to some other sections, too. I feel like there's some people over here that need, need some hope today. Anybody getting some hope in this place today? Come on. I, I need some hope in this place. What's your name, partner? Al. Al? Al? There's people in your world, buddy, that don't know Jesus. I'm so thankful for you, Al. I'm so thankful that your story, your scars... Everything that you have been through, everything that you have overcome, everything that God has brought you through has led you to this moment of your life where you can discover when you walk out of here today, it's not about any of your achievements, anything that you've done. You, you're in your destiny for one reason alone is because you look like Jesus. There's people in your world that don't know Jesus, but they get a chance to touch Al. And when they touch Al, they've touched the icon. They've touched the icon. Now they know Jesus because they know Al. Come on, give God a great praise today in church. You're the icon. You're the icon of Jesus today. Come on, you're the icon. I am the icon of Jesus. We live in a broken world that is hurting, that is being ripped apart at the seams. And let me tell you, that broken world doesn't need a Jesus groupie. They don't need just some random Jesus follower. They need an icon. And you are the icon. You say me? Yeah, you. I w if, if I had enough time, I'd go around and touch every single one of you. And I'd ask you your name. Because I want you to know you are the icon. Yeah, you. Broken, messed up you. I'm the icon. Broken, messed up me. You are the icon, bro. What's your name? Huh? Jeremy, you're the icon, man. Your tears are my tears. You're the icon. Your story is the right story to change somebody's life. You're the icon. You're the icon. You're the icon. You bring the hope. You bring the hope. How do you do it? How do you do it, Chris? You do it by living in the ways of God. How do you do it, Jeremy? You do it by living in the ways of God. How do you do it, Al? You do it by living in the ways of God. How do you do it, Destiny? You do it by living in the ways of God. You wake up every day, you go, this is what I know to do. I know to follow my God. I know to look like Jesus, to do the very best that I can for living for God. And you turn around one day, and you go, wow, this is what living in the will of God looks like, and it feels pretty good. And it's okay. It feels pretty good. So I just challenge you. I encourage you. I lift you up today. 
Be the icon today. Walk out of here with some boldness. Put your shoulders up in the air today. Stop hunching over when you walk out, feeling like you got to feel so low about your life. you got a God that called you. He invited you. He appointed you to a life of victory. He preordained you and gave you destiny, purpose, to walk this thing out, to be a light. You say, well, what does that look like practically? Stop talking to your wife so harshly. Stop talking to your kids like they're nobodies and they don't matter. Start loving people. Start having some tolerance for people and not flying off the handle at every little thing. Start living with peace. Start relaxing a little bit. Start letting the peace of God that surpasses all understanding be underneath who you are. Take the edge off of your life. Start reading your Bible and pressing into God and praying when you wake up in the morning and dedicating your day to God, dedicating your life to God. Start publicly praying for your food in front of people. You say, what does that mean? Just learn how to be thankful. Learn how to say, Lord, thank you for this meal today. We love you. Bless you. Bless us this time together in Jesus' name. Find ways to remind yourself, I am the icon of Jesus. Say it right now. Say, I am the icon of Jesus. Touch the icon. Touch the icon. Thank you for listening to the City of Life Church podcast. If the ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider giving generously by going to col.tv slash give. 